We're getting greedy with a midnight family and we got a call of the wild like we're a boss. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Vex Perfect. And this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Hey, Van. Hey, Bex. Another week. Another week, another round of cinematic beauties for us. I thought us. you were going to say another week, another row. <laughs> another row. Well, we're going to have one of those later. <laughs> yeah, we are. Two, I think. We're going to have two later. Two I big think. rows but, coming up. Uh, well, you know, loads of movies to, to talk about. Can we just briefly mention, and I've been predicting this for years and years and years, uh, that this week it was announced that Paramount are finally, finally bringing back The Saint as a cinematic franchise. And Dexter Fletcher's going to make it. Yeah, he's on a roll, old Dexter Fletcher. He's come a long way since his press... Is it press gang days? Press gang days, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's the weird thing, because he's making... uh, He's doing Sherlock Holmes 3, and then he's doing this. What, he's taking over from Guy Ritchie? Yeah, because the irony, of course, he starred in Lockstock. Yeah, yeah, he's in, like, all the... Yeah, I like that. And also, you know, he's obviously proven to be kind of a more consistent director, I would argue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Than Guy Ritchie, Yeah, lest we forget. Lest Um, we forget. (laughs) But alas, we are not here to talk about the wonder that is the adventures of Simon Templar. Uh, We have to talk films, so let's talk about Midnight Family, which is a new new documentary out this week. And uh, Starting with a documentary, are we starting quite sombre here? We are starting sombre because then the the, the tonal lighten as we go. I mean, not so much. I'll be crying in about 15 minutes' time. I will warn you about that. Why? uh, Tell me why. Why am I going to cry? I'm going to cry in about 15 minutes' time because we're going to talk about a movie involving a dog. And, and yeah, that just gets me every oh, time. Oh, I thought it was the argument where I beat you down. Oh, it. well, there's that to come as well. But okay. that's that, that's mostly Fine. me. Yeah, that's mostly me like curled up in the corner in the fetal position, rocking back and forth. Uh, in the meanwhile, uh, Midnight Family. Okay, new documentary from Luke Lawrenson. You know me, I love a dog wolf documentary. Yeah. Have done for this is about seven years now since Blackfish. Yeah. I've watched. I've habitually sought out oh, every Blackfish, I, every uh, dog wolf documentary. I loved Blackfish. Well, they've never let me down. They've made so many great documentaries over the years. Yeah. If you see the dog. So you see the dog with sign come mm. up or the, the symbol come up you yeah. know you're in for a good a good documentary exactly yeah so uh, happy to say the streak remains intact this is set in Mexico City okay in relatively wealthy part of Mexico City and it follows the Ochoa family Ochoa I think it's pronounced Ochoa uh, father two young, two young sons both underage but they run a private ambulance Okay. And the idea that here, that we're told from the very beginning of the film, is there is such a small number of ambulances. There's something like 45 ambulances to 8 million people wow. in, in Mexico City. Now, you can contrast that with London, for instance, where there are, you know, several thousand to yeah. you know, a, a population of 9 million. Very, very different thing. And they show you over the course of the film through graphics and, and charts and things like that. They show you comparatively how the healthcare system in Mexico works out next to... Oh, in Mexico City works yeah. out next to other you know, uh, equally uh, developed, you know, capital cities. So the idea here is that you hire a private ambulance when you are in need of transportation to the hospital. You hire a private ambulance for the equivalent of $185 to transport you and provide you with, you know, urgent care on the way. Bearing in mind, they're not fully trained. And we are talking about the... And not a lot of people can afford that. And not a lot of people can afford that, but... Thank you, NHS. Yeah, because of... This is the thing. I'll tell you, you will never be more grateful for the NHS than you will after watching this film. Um... Because of the, the the fact that there are so few ambulances in the city, that private ambulances have had to t- have start up and things like that, there's a, a racket going between them. There's a it's fierce competition. So what you have is a system whereby the Ochoa family have allies in the police force, for instance, who will tip them off to okay. events and basically afford them the chance to get there first. But, you know, there's other cops with deals with other private ambulances. And what you wind up with are effectively street racers 
in ambulances, what? with the sirens blaring, with the dad over the tannoy yelling, oi, you know, red car, get out the way, oi, purple car, shift it, someone's dying. You know, the equivalent. It's insane. So it's Fast and Furious meets it, Casualty. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Fast and Furious meets Casualty at times. Yeah. It is, I mean, and there's also the element of tragedy to it because the family themselves are obviously not prospering under this system. Yeah. And, you know, they are contingent on a very strict set of conditions being met. And you've got someone who doesn't have insurance, for instance, things like that, who can't afford, you know, the ride to the, ride to the hospital. It, it presents something of an economic struggle for them. Is this the type of movie that you kind of, if you say it was on something like Netflix, yeah. you'd flick past or you'd sort of stop? Would it catch your attention? I think the uh, the, the, the branding of it, the marketing and the illustrate the imagery for it are kind of flashy and actually quite okay. attention grabbing. It's, it's quite and then, siren based. And then you've obviously mm. talked about some of like the intense moments of it as well, mm. the chase and stuff. Does it actually hold your attention as, as a film? Very much so. I mean, there is Does a point. Does it unfold? It, and... as, as it unfolds. Because I didn't know at first, like prior to seeing the film, I watched the trailer and I honestly couldn't tell if it was a documentary oh, wow. or if it was a narrative feature. And then, you know, of course, it is a dog will film. Yeah. So you think, okay, it's, it's got to be, presumably. But no, dog will have done one or two, I think, uh, narrative-ish documentaries yeah. over the years. Um, and is it based around one family or do we meet multiple is, ones? We, we, we meet the competition for instance, but it is specifically centred around the Ochoa family. I, I say really gripping. I was hooked. I did come away just thinking, okay, at, one, at once this is both arresting and horrifying. Okay. And yeah, Interesting. It, it's a film that will absolutely, especially with all the talk over the course of the last three or four years about you know the resurgence of the talk about the privatisation of the yeah. NHS, etc. It's, uh, it's something that will uh, inspire you in that regard. It will have you, you know, really appreciate the NHS. All okay. Over again. So how many, uh, how many thumbs are you going to give it? Two thumbs up from me. Good. Okay, so let's talk then about uh, well, one that's slightly more divisive between us. Uh, let's talk about Greed, new film from Michael Winterbottom yep. and starring none other than Sir Steve of Coogan. Uh, do you want to you take this away? Because I think yeah. you can describe the plot better than I do. Honestly. Okay, so it's a satire on the fashion industry. Mm. So we're focusing on this fictitious fashion mogul called Richard Greedy McCready, I love as he's it. Known. I love it. Greedy McCready. Uh, yeah, very clever play on words mm. there from Michael Winterbottom. Um, and it, it's centred around the lead up to his very elaborate 60th birthday celebrations in Mykonos. And we basically follow this story from his rise to fortune and infamy, and mm -hmm. basically how he, well, the portrayal of a man who drives the most incredibly hard bargain manages to pocket all the money for himself but yet there's also this sense that all the workers around him are struggling to make ends meet you can't read the name of the shop it's white on white in other words that is page one of the manual isn't it in fact it's front cover of the book name recognition yeah see if you don't sort this out here the writing is on the wall for you so it won't be white on white, it'll be red on brown. Do you know what those colours are for, Neil? Uh, is it blood and poo? Yeah, correct. Well done. There's hope for you yet, Neil. This is positive reinforcement. This is me motivating you. I've got to be honest. I, I know you weren't a fan of this one. Uh, you, well, you know, I, 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 I loved it. I really did. OK. The, the, well, I'll start with why I wasn't a fan. Michael Winterbottom's work yeah. is kind of, you either like it or you don't, really. It's a, it's a it's, bit Marmite. Yeah, it is mm. a bit Marmite. And I, we talked a, a little bit off, off air about 24-hour party people. Which I do think this is directly comparable to. Yeah, and, you know, and I think that almost became iconic at the time, but I think it's sort of lifted by, it was almost more realistic because the, the, the 90s sort of 
music scene and rave scene was, was surreal in itself. But here what we're talking about is fashion and, yeah. and essentially a sweatshop <laughs> of workers and, and a guy whose benefit is two very big extremes, right? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, Steve Coogan is brilliant in everything that he's, he's in, whether he's playing a more... Um, serious role or if he's like playing a more comedic role now what Michael Winterbottom d- has done here is create all the characters to a level which is almost grotesque and a caricature so what we're seeing is the opportunity to take a story tell it really well but they've pulled it like Stretch Armstrong okay it's pulled so far that you kind of sit in this realm where you're like do I even believe that these characters would ever exist well, uh, and is it serious enough hmm. for me to go, oh, you're trying to, yeah. you're basically ta- making a, a, a film about Philip Green? That's it. I mean, it is It is quite clear who the target of this, yeah. this satire is. It's very evident. But I, I do say, though, it's no more particularly obnoxious with it than, for instance, Malcolm Tucker is as a parody of Alistair Campbell. Yes, but, but stuff like In hmm. the Loop or, yeah. you know, the, the films like that or W1A or whatever that is. Yeah. The, the fact that you haven't got these big-named actors in it, so we've got David Mitchell in it, we've got Isla Fisher, we've yeah. got um, Caroline Flack is in the very beginning I of this I noticed movie. that as well. That was very uncomfortable, We'll come on to that, it? yeah. We'll you, co- were you in a screening? Was there a... No, there was a, there was a, a notification that this was going to come oh. up because I went to a screening just after. Oh, you saw one a couple of days after yeah. me, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, so um, just after everything sadly had happened with Caroline Flack. So yeah. it is quite jarring to then suddenly see that. And I don't know if it sort of sets it in a bit of a bizarre way, but, you know, what we're talking about is a man who's talking about billions of pounds mm. and people that are working 10-hour days in Sri Lanka that are yeah. earning five pounds. Shake my hand, let's go to Dill. Move on. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I personally thought, because obviously I'm, I'm, I, I like a nasty character. I like a, a But he dark... wasn't believable. That's my problem. Like, I, I like a nasty character. Yeah, well. that's the thing for me, though, because I take a Michael Winterbottom-Steve Coogan collaboration in very much the same way as I do a Woody Allen film, Yeah. which is, I know I'm not going in here for deeply rich character introspection. I'm going in for just a satirical good time. Just a good, a good time. Let's poke some fun at some people and we'll move on. Uh, 24 Hour Party People has slightly more pathos than, for instance, things like a cock and bull story or this. Yeah. But as far as one of the more flimsier popcorn-y efforts between these two goes, I had a good time with it. I, I don't think it's for everyone in that same way that I don't think a Woody Allen film is for everyone. Or I don't think Party uh, 24 Hour Party People is really a film that's for everyone. You have to have some sort of emotional attachment to that music, to that region. Um, for me though, just seeing Steve Coogan have a good time, seeing the cast that's in this, knowing, because you, you know from minute one where this is gonna go as well, uh, all the fun they have about completely reading Gladiator the wrong way and things like that. Yeah. I, I, th- <laughs> yeah. I, I just had a ball with it. I can't wait to see it again, but I will admit, it's nowhere near as strong a film as, for instance, 25 Party People, yeah. but I did like it a lot more than I liked A Cock and Bull Story. Okay, well, oh. I thought A Cock and Bull Story was pretty poor. So did you? Oh, yeah, okay, that works. Um, Thumbs up from down from do, me. Do you know what? Mm. The, the story I would have liked to have seen yeah. and the character I, or the portrayal I would have liked to have seen carried through was Jamie Blackley's portrayal of Richard McCready, the younger. Oh, the younger, Richard, yes. I looks thought, like him, doesn't he? Yes, and I thought his through line of, of the story was actually a lot stronger than when we mm. got to this complete caricature that was yeah. Steve Coogan's version of it. So for me, it's probably a one thumb film. Right. One and a half for me. Okay. Uh, and that extra half is only because it's not 24 hour party people. Fine, fine. And we're back. And this time, Miss Perfect, we're going at it like a boss. 
Yes, we are, and we're going to lock horns big time on that because we already have on the lift on the way up here. That, look, there's a <laughs> that film, nearly got violent. It did nearly get violent. And so there's a film which I would say was definitely not targeted at people like Ban, and that's fine. Sometimes there are films that are focused on one mm -hmm. particular demographic type of people, and it is not you. You can just so, say chick flick, you know? This, you, is, you this is a chick flick. I'm not saying it's one of the world's yeah. greatest chick flicks. Mm. It's a trashy, throwaway fun with the girls on a night out not a night out out a night out with the girls and that's what it is so okay, this take is it away. like a boss right so mm. if you've ever thought of setting up a company with one of your besties then and i say the word bestie because this is the type of audience they are aren't they? they're yeah. like childhood best friends yes. kind of thing aren't so they? Yeah. Uh, but the reason why i use the word besties is because mm. you can see where i'm going with it yeah. um so childhood best friends mia and mel they basically set up their own cosmetics company from their own from their garage they end up mm. living together they've been best friends for like well over 20 years they then end up getting this buyout offer from an industry titan played by the brilliant Salma Hayek, um, and also, like J-Lo, never ages. Um, no, she does not. She no. does not, know. And she proves too tempting. Uh, this, this offer proves too tempting to pass up. Um, however, the offer itself puts the friendship at risk because obviously the beauty industry shows its ugly side. The ladies have to work out how they're going to save both their mm -hmm. business and their friendship at the same time. Shame on your house. Wait, wait, firing you is not my idea. I promise. Well, we wouldn't I even be here had you not pushed me into letting Claire do a grab job on our company. She saved our company, which was about to go broke. Oh, yeah, and everything's so fantastic now. No, nothing's fantastic hey, hey, now. Hey, hey, hey. Witness my tragic moment. Billy Porter there in one, oh, of, in one of his two scenes. Stop, stop with your, your sarcastic tone, right? That scene with Billy Porter, uh -huh. I laughed out loud in. Yeah, I, I said to you that would have, been, would have had slightly more effect had it not been that his role to that point had consisted of one 30-second long scene. Yeah, but yeah. sometimes... You know, he's got, he's a, he's a man, main man in pose. He doesn't have to be the main man in this film. He can be a supporting character. Yes, he's underused. Right. He, I get that. You know, here's a question for you. Right. Just just as someone watching this film, why do I care about Billy Porter in that moment? In that moment? In that moment. Witness my tragic moment. Why do I care? Because he's just been fired. Okay, I've known him for 30 seconds. Why do I care? You haven't known him for 30 seconds. I've known him for he's 30 been, seconds. No, you, no, you haven't. You're being, look, you're being acerbic mm. about this. Right, so... Um, <laughs> You've met me. I know. <laughs> right, so like, this is the thing. Like, this is not a Van way, Van's Way or the Highway kind of movie, okay? This is a movie that I think you need to take with a pinch of salt and mm. enjoy it for what it is. Right, I've likened this film to Ugly Betty. So if you liked uh, shows like that, so Ugly Betty based in the fashion industry, yeah. it's as bonkers and bizarre and mm. tongue-in-cheek as that is. The The... The jokes are okay. They land 50% of the time, but the ones that do land will make you chuckle. Maybe if it's just a little scoff, it'll What's... make you scoff. You said that this film, yeah. Van, is worse than The Hustle, and I vehemently disagree with it because okay. I had to turn The Hustle off. Also, what's the line from Anchorman? 50% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> well, there we go. Right, you pointed out about the critical consensus on this. Yes, so I looked it, it up. Whilst, whilst you were recording uh, another show earlier, uh, I had five minutes, so I took a look. Right. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes rating for this film, much as I hate to quote Rotten Tomatoes in anything, you know, just using it as a statistical barometer. Uh, the critical consensus for this has it a 20% positive, which I would argue is probably about right. Yep. I would say that's probably Fine. about right if we're being academic about it. Um, however, the audience score is 65%, which yep. puts it as marginally above average, yep. I would say. It's just faintly above average. Would you agree with that score? I would, because... People that are going to go and watch this yeah. are not here to analyse, you know, all elements of it. It yeah. is 
as I said before, you take it for what it is. It's a trashy hour and 20 minutes yeah. where you don't have to think. You can laugh when you want to. It's two girls. That's that's got the cheesy momentum within it. It's got the the friendship story. It's got the live your dream story. It's got the the dream coming true, and then it all goes wrong. It's completely predictable. But sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. We've come out of award season. We don't need to think anymore. We've got at least two months before the tentpole season kicks in. This is something that just fills a gap and thinks, you know what? I'm going out for dinner with my girlfriends. I'm going to go. And I keep saying girls because I think this is totally targeted at girls. Right, okay. I'm, I'm going to give you my like 45-second You've been You sat download. there like clenching your fists. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you my 45-second my 40, my okay. mega download and I'm yeah. going to pass it back over to you to end, it on a posit- end this one yeah. on a positive note because I feel like it deserves it just for existing. Right, okay. First of all, there is a recurrent gag in this movie in which two bro douchebag characters are continuously made fun of for their failures to concoct any female design products that are considerable as less than offensive. The fact that the movie is written and directed by men uh, should, in a perfect world, mean that, that is some form of meta-commentary. However, the film is so idiotic and in such poor taste, so devoid of laughter, that feels almost accidental. It's an 80-minute comedy, which in and of itself should tell you something. It's been dumped in February, which tell you another thing. And I didn't laugh once in 80 minutes. I don't care about Billy Porter. I don't know him from Pose. I shouldn't have to do homework to enjoy a film. I think Tiffany Haddish is generally unfunny anyway. I've yet to see her actually make me laugh in something. And I say that as someone who's seen Girls Trip, apparently her breakout film. Rose Byrne plays the straight man figure of the film. However, the film I found so devoid of laughter that really she just fit in with the general tone of it. She wasn't playing a straight man she was playing just every man because nothing in the film made me laugh in 80 minutes which i found sad i found depressing i thought for the remit of a comedy is about the most epic fail you could find i did find the hustle funnier although i actually had something of an emotional attachment to that because of dirty rotten scoundrels so at least i kind of knew what i knew what i was in you for. should be more and offended because of it because of dirty rotten scoundrels i i should however this film exists and it and also it commits the criminal sin of wasting both jimmy yang and Ari Grainer. How anybody lives with themselves after wasting the two of those performers in anything, I will never know. Please end this on a more cheerful Ladies, note. go get your girlfriend. <laughs> go have a good time. Okay, this is for you. Don't worry about yeah. it. You'll have fun. It's like, I'm not going to say that it is in the same echelon yeah. as this. Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Oof. But not as good and no high school. That's, that's like quoting The Greatest Showman and Cats in the same sentence. Yeah. No, oh... Yeah, you should be ashamed. All right, how many thumbs up? How many thumbs up? I'm going to give it one, but what? it's fine. Like, right. well, what you're forgetting about mm-hmm. this movie is that it is fine, Yeah. right? It does what it's supposed to do, yeah. and it does it okay. It's, okay. It, it's not disjointed. It's got a linear through line. It follows a story that is predictable, but sometimes predictable movies work. It's yeah. fine. Okay, I'm going to give it half a thumb only after I've shut said thumb in a drawer. Um, on to something that made me weep like a baby. I've heard this is rubbish. Uh, <laughs> actually, yes, so did I. That was the thing. So did I. I heard this was terrible. Yeah. Right, Call uh, of the Wild. Yeah. <laughs> Call of the Wild, which is Harrison Ford and a computer-animated dog, which is the most baffling thing I've ever heard in my life. A supposedly photorealistic version of a dog stars in this movie. Why you couldn't get an actual dog, I don't know. So it's the story of Buck a spoilt dog who is sold into uh, uh, the dog sledding trade in the Yukon. This is around the time of the gold rush. Uh, Screenplay by Michael Green, uh, based on Jack London's novel, directed by Chris Sanders. Um, 
So you've got half the movie where Buck, computer animated Buck, is a sled dog delivering the mail for Omar Sy. Uh, this is just prior to the invention of the telegraph. And for the second half of the film, he goes on an adventure with the reclusive curmudgeon-like Harrison Ford. So half of this movie is literally Harrison Ford alone in the wilderness with a dog, which sounds like Harrison Ford's dream. The Yukon is a dangerous place. You never know what's coming. I came up here because I didn't want to be around anyone. And then I met Buck. He was a dog like no other. He'd been spoiled. Out! Come on, Buck! And he'd suffered. Come on! But he could not be broken. So you didn't see this? No. Oh, okay. And I, I wasn't going to go to a dog-friendly screening to go and sit there and not only listen to children right. talk all the way through it, but yeah. also dogs barking. W was there a dog-friendly screening? There was. Oh, I wasn't invited to that one. So, um, no, there were no dogs it's at because you screen. don't like, like a boss. Well, that's what it is. It's my karmic punishment. Um, right, first of all, I know I have personal issues relating to dogs in the last year. So, obviously, I'm somewhat emotionally tinted on this one. I wept a good half dozen times during this movie, despite the fact that the dog never looks less than artificial. There is, it's like belly rubbing in the uncanny valley. It is ludicrous. But once you get past that notion, the film itself is actually pretty sweet. I haven't enjoyed a dog movie this much since Eight Below, which tells you where this sits on the heartbreak right. spectrum. Okay. Uh, just by the way, the fact that I keep mentioning how upsetting this is, don't take that as any kind of a spoiler okay don't because i know dog movie saying it's upsetting just take it to, as yeah. van's general disposition particularly when he was uh talking about like a boss <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna turn this into your cats is well i'm just is? do you know what i'm just looking this is nowhere near cats i'm just looking as we're talking and you're yeah. talking about a cgi dog yeah. at the facebook page for like a boss right yes i'm bringing it back to it really okay, okay. and the audience there's like a hundred reviews from the audience here uh -huh. on it it's getting a 4.5 out of 5 out of people that have taken their time to write on the facebook page for like a boss and they're saying do you know what it's a great movie to see with the girlfriends as i pointed out uh -huh. it's it's a comedy you know it's a comedy just about friendship it's a girls movie real friendship you know it's really fun there's not much to, more to take from it than a few laughs but that's a good thing because why not go and have a little bit of a you know just debrief afterwards it's an easy movie i don't know why you just don't like it you're so not a girl i know <laughs> people that can make impassioned supposedly academically based arguments for supporting batman versus superman having said that i also know that there are people in the world who believe in scientology there are lots of lunatics in the world however none were involved in the making of call of the wild which i found to be quite nicely shot outside of the ridiculous special effects i thought harrison ford's very likable in uh, Omar Sy, I'm always happy to see him. He looks him. grumpy in it. He's always grumpy. That's just Harrison Ford. Was well, he going to be grumpy in the new Indiana Jones? Probably. He was grumpy Probably. in the last one. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Don't. I, I would not buy into the negativity on this one because I didn't think the film itself, outside of the special effect, deserved anywhere near it. It was quite a heartfelt film. The script works quite well. The visuals are there. Is this for dog lovers, this film? I wouldn't say it's for dog lovers at all. I think it is just a decently enough constructed story. It's relatively timeless. They've been remaking this for literally 100 years. Call of the Wild was the first 20th Century Fox movie in 1921. 
Call of the Wild is also the first movie of 20th Century Studios in 2020. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, when you see that logo before a film for the first time, wow, that's a head trip. I can imagine. So, um, I'm going to give it a thumb and a half from me. I would have given this two thumbs if, they, if the effects weren't just so garish. Yeah, I was going to say, is it mm. jarring for you to watch? You never, you never feel like that's a real dog, ever. And that's that's a lot. I will say Why as well, by the way. they used a real dog? There's 5% of this movie where you would have needed to use for animal safety and animal cruelty purposes, you would have needed to CG something. Yeah, but that's fine. Do it for 5%. For but... 5%. But I don't know why they didn't. Okay. Uh, made funny about the fact they brought a large dog, rather like Buck, into the screen beforehand and said, this is our Buck. Enjoy the movie. Here's the Mulan trailer. And now a segment we like to call... Off-screen pays the bills. Hi, Bex. Hi, it's bill time already. Nothing going on but the rent, as you know. So, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor for the week, Endurance. So, Endurance are a, uh, a company that offer vehicle protection plans. They offer uh, they offer coverage to shield drivers across the U.S. This is for our U.S. listeners. Uh, shield them from uh, the high costs of auto repairs. You know, we've, we've all been there. You know, your car breaks break down. down. Yeah, yeah every, I mean, every week. Every week. <laughs> Have you got one of those cars? I've got one of those cars. Oh, I had, uh, I, I had a, a Mazda RX-5 once that just went through six months of constantly breaking down. I had no coverage. and uh, Oh, my, my world's smallest violin is playing for you with your Mazda X5. Okay, MX5. Show the MX5, class. Show the class. Whatever. So the whole thing is you, you have a policy with endurance. They pay the mechanics directly for the parts for you. So you know you don't have to deal with it. You don't have to be out of pocket and things like that. You know, you don't have to play the middleman yep. effectively. So they are uh, they are officially rated the number one vehicle protection company by Consumer Affairs. Ooh. They offer uh, the best customer service in the industry. Great. They deal with you every step of the way. So, you know, every stage of your your, your repair, your claim, they're, they're there with you. Like I say, been there, had no coverage before, and uh, it's, 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 cost me, it's cost me a pretty penny yes. and uh, made me feel very foolish. Well, thank and, goodness for uh, them. Exactly. So, uh, for more information on Endurance Vehicle Protection Plans, visit endurancewarranty.com forward slash off screen. So, Van. Subex. I can smell a rootin' dootin' bit of gold rush. <laughs> You're going Yosemite Sam on me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's some gold going all around here. Okay, what you got for me? What's gold? Oh, I've got a new subscription platform for gold, Acre. It's called Acre. It lets you make small monthly payments and then sends gold. Yes, gold. Gold I bullions. Love, I love gold. Did that last week. Duh. Damn it. <laughs> and that sends it straight to your doorstep every few months. So, think about it. You can get a gold bullion Ugh. in your own house. Do you know what's weird? I went to Dubai once. They have the vending machines where you buy gold bars. Amazing. Kind of wanted one. Is a bullion lie. the same as a bar? Maybe I've got this it's wrong. Bullion? I think bullion is a bar, isn't bullion it? Bullion is or a bar. brick. Yeah. 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 You can use I no longer freebies. have to buy the chocolate from like a museum that kind of replicates <laughs> that because I could have my own real stuff. So you subscribe to it for just $50 a month. You don't have to break the bank because you can start buying gold um, at that price. And, mm. and even there is now a $30 a month option. So you could watch your gold grow. How cool is that? Oh, nice. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, so I can I literally I can like lay away my gold. You can lay away your gold instead yeah. of putting all your cash under your bed mm. uh, <laughs> in a little box. Uh, what you can do is you basically your your once your stash reaches a price of two point five grams. Mm. I'm not sure how much that is, but it sounds like a lot. It does. Um, yeah. Then they will they will ship you your gold. Oh, nice. How cool is that? That's really good because I always wanted to live like Edward Norton in the Italian Job remake, <laughs> where he just has the nice safe with loads of gold bars and I transport them in minis. That's my plan. Nice, nice. Well, also you can win a free gold bar yeah and this is this is a great one just by tweeting at get underscore acre and by hashtagging off screen and telling us why you should be our winner why do you deserve gold 
world. Well, I'll tell you what, you can't use the Edward Norton excuse now. Okay. I've got that. That's mine. So all I'm right. tweeting that later. Fine. Okay, well, you can find out more about this all from uh, getacregold.com forward slash off screen and also start your subscription today. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we are taking you from the big screen to the small screen now and we have your seven-day guide to all the movies that you can watch on your telly box. And we're going to kick off with this Saturday on E4, 9 o'clock with The Martian. One of my favourite surprise films of its day. Oh, definitely. Because I don't think any of us expected this to be as fun as it was. No. Yeah, this is the thing. It's Matt Damon. Mm. He gets stranded. Where does he get stranded? So Mars? he's Mark Watney. It's in the title. I mean. The Martian. The Martian. It's in the title. Totally stranded on Mars. Okay. <laughs> But, right. So Matt Damon's Mark Watney is a botanist <laughs> who during an evacuation during a I storm... Remember it being orange? <laughs> That's the thing, isn't too it? early. Mars is surprisingly orange in this for the red planet, isn't it? Um, during the evacuation, he's presumed dead. He's left behind. And I'll tell you what, this, this clip will kind of tell you what he goes through. Probably need to listen. <laughs> he's 50 million miles away from home. He thinks he's totally alone. He thinks we gave up on him. I mean, what does that do to a man psychologically? the hell is he thinking right now? I'm definitely going to die up here if I have to listen to any more god-awful disco music. My God, Commander Lewis, couldn't you have packed anything from this century? <laughs> lots of disco music. Lots and lots of disco music in this. And uh, it's just a great movie, isn't it? It's, it's a testament to just how likeable Matt Damon can be that this yes. film works. Yes, and it's mm. kind of a one-man band movie it as kind of well. Is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cast away if they occasionally cut back to, <laughs> you know, back to FedEx HQ. Yeah, you know, exactly. Except in this case, we get to see the delight that is Sean Bean working for NASA. Do you know what, though? I think when the humour kicks in, because you kind of go into it thinking, obviously, this is like pre-gravity or things like that, and you kind of go, what am I expecting to see from a space movie yeah. of sorts? And you go in with one particular mindset, and it shifts you yeah. completely. I, mean, I know people are obsessed with the novel, and they rate the film equally highly. Good. I mean, for my money, also, Ridley Scott's best film for yeah. 20 years, easy. Yeah. Uh, so, for Sunday, what we got? We've got The Proposal, Channel 5, at 3.50pm. Perfect timing for a film like this. It is, isn't it? Yeah, Sandra yeah. Bullock. Sandra, Sandra Bullock and Ryan, and Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. And do you know what? I was on um, Paul Ross's show on TalkSport and I was talking about how uh, certain movies um, mm. have certain posters that there's like a formula for them. <laughs> the, and this is exactly it. This so is a leaning the wrong, one. Yeah, the leaning poster. This is the white background leaning poster. Yes, so rom-coms mm. have yeah. a lot of this. You know, so but, that, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I was going to say, Matthew McConaughey's entire career for about 15 years leaning. was based on leaning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this is... I really enjoyed this. I thought the humour worked really well. I thought Ryan Reynolds, again, proves himself to be the guy that you want to watch on screen pretty much all the time, and it's not just one for the ladies. Well, that's it, isn't it? So it's an immigration comedy, effectively, yeah. in which bitch boss and put-upon employee have to pretend to be engaged it's a bit like to keep overboard. her in the country. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like overboard in a way. What, are your parents dead? Oh, no, his are, his no. are very much alive. Very, very much. much. They're, uh, well, we were going to tell them this weekend. Gammy's 90th birthday. The whole family's coming together, and we thought it'd be a nice surprise. And where is this surprise going to take place? At uh, Andrew's parents' house. And where, where, where is that located again? Um, pff, why am I doing all the talking? Jump in. <laughs> Sitka. Sitka. Alaska. Alaska. You're going to go to Alaska this weekend? Yeah. Yes, yes. We are going to Alaska. Alaska. That's where, uh, that's where my little... That's where my Andrew's from. 
It's got a lot going for it. He's yeah. charming. She's delightful as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and they genuinely, you can genuinely believe that they could be a couple. They, we do, we do. Yeah. Uh, like so, that. Monday, though, uh, well, I don't think these two will ever be a couple. It's Denzel and uh, Ethan Hawke in one of the best movies of the 21st century. Also, one of the best man-night flicks of all time. Me and one of my boys, we watched this uh, quite a few times. Girls guess you like a boss. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Training Day is on ITV4 actually, at 10.30. Actually, mm. on that point, on. girls, if you're off to go and see Like a Boss, boys on Monday night there's something for you there you go okay, okay so ladies off to the pictures on Monday night there you go fine yeah, boys get the beers in order the pizzas training days on ITV4 10.30 Denzel's a corrupt cop he's giving his training day to Ethan Hawke and basically he's going to try and corrupt him it's almost Faustian I love Denzel on this deserved that Oscar yeah 100% and also this movie gave us one of my favourite named directors ever Antoine Fuqua <laughs> founder of Fuqua Films <laughs> So, uh, enjoy Training Day. Uh, over on Tuesday, it's a Michael Bay movie, and it's a surprisingly good one. Yes, I can see you looked confused. Oh, I thought it was something else. No, it's The Island, starring Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson. Oh, in which... what was that Leonardo DiCaprio one? It's on a... The Beach. No. 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 Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Okay, go. so there's the island, there's the beach, and there's Shutter Island. Okay, Two of them have DiCaprio. <laughs> the other one has, for some reason, Neelix from Star Trek and ScarJo. Weird combination. But it does also have Steve Buscemi. You're clones. You're copies of people out here in the world. What? Clones? What? Copies? What are you talking Why? about? Why? Some hag trophy wife needs new skin for a facelift, or one of them gets sick and they need a new part. They, they take it from you. I have a mother. I remember her. Yeah, I know. I grew up on a farm. I have a little dog, and, and I had a bike. A bike. Right. It was a pink flexi flyer with little tassels on the handlebars, and you rode it up the street to your grandmother's house, and you ring the little bell, and she came out and served you cookies on a hot plate. Yeah. No. Memory... Imprints. Yeah, we, we need more Steve Buscemi in our lives. This is very Logan's run. They discover their clones have to break out of what they think is, you know, a sanctuary after the end of yeah. the world, and that's it. They'll go on the run. But yeah. you know, of course, you get the fun of doppelgangers and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I believe Michael Clark Duncan was in this as well. Yeah. Um, hell of a cast, and of course, Sean Bean as a villain. Yeah. Imagine that. God, what I love what else Sean could Bean. he get cast as? Well, other he's than in the villain. two of our movies this week. Yeah, have, he is have some Bean action in. Okay. So, so that is on five star, ten fifty-five p.m. I'm quite late. Quite actually, late. On Tuesday. But uh, if you're up for a good, a good Tuesday night action, it, you, you can have worse, yeah. Okay, so Wednesday, moving on. 120 beats per minute. Yes, did you get the pleasure of this? No. Right, I remembered very little about this, so I went and, went and, sort of went and watched it again once I saw that it was one of the options for, for Wednesday night. Uh, so, uh, French drama about uh, the Act Up movement in Paris in the early 90s, basically the height of the AIDS epidemic, mm -hmm. who took action because the French government were basically dragging their heels. Okay. On dealing with the AIDS epidemic, you know they had test results and things like game-changing test results. Like, oh, we will unveil that next year. Like, no, people are dying now, and there was, you know, there were comments Stop made. Stop holding about, back. Yes, this yeah. was the whole thing. Uh, very worth seeing. The performances I thought were terrific in it. Film for five past eleven on Wednesday night. Very moving film. Yeah. Grounded in a lot of very sad uh, recent history. I mean, we tend to forget this was quite recent. I suppose it's quite good to just have more of a documentary-based movie yeah. on the small screen. Seeing you talk, you talk so wonderfully about Midnight Family on the big screen. Well, that's it. I mean, this is, I say, this is this is sort of based on factual events. It is a narrative drama. Yeah. But uh, but the energy to it, the stylistic feel of it, kind of heighten how emotional it yeah. gets at times. Uh, which is not something I can say, of course, for Thursday night's offering. 
What is, is this? Do you not know? Do you not know at all? No. I'm, I'm it, was not Crank like a, a villain in, in nope. Ninja Turtles? Krang. 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 Oh, so close. Yeah. You know, as Tina Fey once said, enough with Krang. No one cares about Krang. She was, of course, wrong. Everyone loves Krang. No, this is not Krang. This is Crank. Crank is a 90-minute actioner from 2006, which stars Jason Statham and Amy Smart. Jason Statham wakes up to discover he has been poisoned with a special Chinese poison that will kill him if his heartbeat drops below a certain level. So, in other words, in almost unbroken real time, Jason Statham has to leg it across Los Angeles whilst keeping his heartbeat up using any means necessary, and this runs up to electrocution, public sexual activity, punching himself in the face, dancing, throwing himself off rooftops, everything. And all he has to do is basically find his way to the bad guy and get his cure. Now, there is a sequel to this. But what? There is, yeah. Please do not let that in any way indicate that you know how this ends. Because I promise you it doesn't, and the sequel is even more insane. This is one of the greatest out there, bonkers, gonzo actioners of the 21st century, and I cannot recommend highly enough that you seek it out. In terms of seeking it out, you've got to seek out ITV4. For oh, yeah, sorry, I should say 10.30 p.m. Should be over about midnight, maybe 20 past, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Friday is The Big Sick on BBC2 at 11.05 p.m. This is Kumail... Kumail Langiani. Langiani, yeah. I wasn't a fan of this. Were you not? No. Oh, I, I loved I, this. I found this really boring. Oh! Yeah. Oh, I thought it was effectively, you know, while, while you were sleeping for brown people like me. So that kind of works. But, what? Uh, yeah, I thought that kind of worked. No. As, as far as cross-cultural comedies go, this really landed for me. I'll tell you what, I'll give you a sample of the kind of humour that's in it, and you can see why I might like it so much. Hi. Hi. Um, my name's Kamel. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, we saw you before. Now that the niceties are out of the way, um, I have to tell you that when you yelled at me, it really threw me off, and uh, you really shouldn't heckle comedians. It's so rude. I didn't heckle you. Just woohooed you. It's supportive. Okay, that's a common misconception. Uh -huh. Yelling anything at a comedian is considered heckling. Heckling doesn't have to be negative. So if I if I yelled out like, "You're amazing in bed," <laughs> that'd be a heckle. Yeah, it would be an accurate heckle. Cool. Because oh. he's a charming guy. You see, that's what it is. Yeah, I just. Yeah, it just didn't tickle my fancy. Maybe I wasn't in the right mindset to watch no, it. No, I, th I think you should check it out. It is autobiographical as well. It's based yes, on a real that. story yeah. of how Kumail met his wife. Yes, I do. And I find that quite sweet. But sometimes real stories don't really translate that well onto film. Uh, well, I think <laughs> I think you can guarantee that While You Were Sleeping wasn't based on a true story anyway. So. Yeah. And you know what else isn't based on a true story, Bex? Like a boss. There's no truth in that, is there? What do you mean? Two besties setting up their own company and being bought out by a mogul. It's the dream and it's happened to some people. Don't you watch Dragon's Den? I'll get you perfect. And your little <laughs> dog, too. <laughs> Okay, so after Van and I have finished having fisticuffs over Like a Boss, we are moving <laughs> straight on to anything you can watch uh, films on, which is your DVD, your Blu-ray, your streaming platforms, your mm -hmm. your video on demand, everything. And we're kicking off on those platforms, not streaming just yet, but with Zombieland Double Tap. Which you tell me you didn't have the pleasure of seeing. No. It's so, not the great sequel you would hope, but it's perfectly fine. I haven't seen Zombieland. You've never seen Zombieland? Oh, Zombieland's great. Yeah, Zombieland's I've heard. Like, I've heard. Yeah. But you know when you like miss the boat and then you're like, mm. I so should watch that, and then I'm like, I haven't got around to it. You will never hear For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica in the same way ever again. Because I've never heard it before. What? <laughs>
Oh, jeez. I don't even know where the beginning. Oh, don't don't, don't forget oh. that yours and my movie mm. tastes are very different. Well, uh, yeah, I know, but we're relatively... Apart from the 90s and the 80s. We're the same age. You never heard For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica? Don't listen to that kind of music. It's iconic. Okay, never mind. Okay, so Zombieland Double Tap, sequel to uh, Zombieland from 2009. Yeah. This, of course, arrives a decade later. You can argue it missed the boat. Uh, basically, same shtick, different day. Why did um, they bring it back? Because there was a demand for it for many years. Okay. Everybody involved in it had gone on to become huge stars. I mean, one of them is literally an Oscar winner now. Well, you know, Emma, Stone. Emma Stone had obviously gone on. Uh, less said about Abigail Breslin and her remake of Dirty Dancing, the better. Yep. Jesse Eisenberg had gone on to ruin Lex Luthor in one of the worst content movies ever made. And then Woody Harrelson had uh, been awesome for a decade. So, you yes. know, it was hard to get them all back at the same time. Now they're in the White House. They're in the abandoned White House, living it up. Oh, Little Rock, played by Abigail Breslin, goes off on the run with the, you know, hunky dreamboat guy she meets. And the rest of them have to go off and find her. And along the way, they pick up Zoe Deutsch, mm -hmm. who they briefly mistake for being a zombie. <laughs> I kept trying to tell you it was only an allergic reaction, but you thought I was trying to bite you. Yeah, well. Not that you minded last time. Mm. Thank you for shooting over my head. I was really just trying to scare you off. You're not going to get rid of me that easy. Oh, no. <laughs> there I was, hiding in the woods, when I thought, I used to live in a freezer, so why not a freezer on wheels? Can't argue <laughs> that logic. I really miss this. Was that sarcasm? Yes, she's bimbo-headed and annoying. That's the crack. That, okay. that, that's the gag. Fine. But uh, I say, it's not as good as the as the first movie, basically because it has nothing particularly fresh or original to add yeah. to, to the mythos. You, you could have pieced this you pieced this together from the first movie. Okay. There's nothing but I new it's just added fun. to it. And this is uh, perfect now that it's available mm. you know, at home. I think, it, well, to be honest, I think it'll play better on, a, on, on the telly than it will as a theatrical experience. Okay. Because, so maybe it'll find a new audience. Yeah, I mean, the first Zombieland was a beer and pizza movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I say that as someone who saw it theatrically. Yeah. One thing we have got on DVD, and this, is, this isn't even a film, this is a documentary yeah. series. This was one of our sponsors last year. Okay. Uh, when we first started working together, this yeah. was one of our sponsors. This was CNN's uh, documentary collaboration with HBO. It's The Movies, which is a six-part series. Chronic, each episode chronicles a different uh, era in movies. So you've got... You oh, know, I think I've seen this. You will have seen bits of it, I think. Uh, white background, lots of characters on. So I think it starts with the 80s, goes through the 90s, yeah. the early noughties, uh, the superhero tentpole uh, yeah. movement, New Hollywood and the rise of the, the sort of New Hollywood auteur and the back of Easy Rider and things like that. Nice. The 70s, which of course takes yeah. very specific ones. I'll tell you what, I've got a sample for you from the 80s. You're under arrest! Yeah. There's a scene where Donald Duck and Daffy Duck are having a piano duel. At the same time, penguins are serving drinks. And if you look at the making of, of that individual scene, it's under complete total chaos. There's real actors pretending to be drinking. There's trays moving around on these iron rods. That was a hard movie. That's sort of a ignorance is bliss category that that movie should fall into. Because that's a movie that no sane person would ever attempt to make. How often do you get to hear Tom Hanks talk about Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I know, right? That's amazing. <laughs> and 
obviously my favourite film genre, time frame anyway. So yeah, generally. of course, because that's our childhood, yes. really, isn't it? Like yes. particularly mid to late eighties. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, like live action and CGI is nothing in comparison to Roger Rabbit. <laughs> no, no, it's not, not at all. Uh, so what else we got? We've official got, secrets. Yeah, yeah I, you must have seen this. I, I, I liked official secrets, but mm. what I didn't like. Uh, what I liked about it, so it's the story of um, essentially someone who works for, is it GCHQ? GCHQ, yes. Yeah, and, and she's a whistleblower, essentially, as his, this woman who feels compelled to tell what she's found. She's and Kira Knightley in this she's one? She's Kira Knightley, and this is what I was getting on to, is that actually, Kira's good in this, yeah. and, and I'm not a massive fan of Kira Knightley's work, but she's all right in this because she's, she's playing herself. But basically... <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay. As long as she's playing a sort of pasty uptight British lady, that's she's what, fine. Yeah, that's what she does. She's mm. Kira playing Kira. Anyway, um, and the thing about this is, is that actually when you see the real mm. um, Catherine, Gill. Catherine, Catherine Gill, Catherine Gunn, Gunn, yes, mm. in real life, you kind of go, well, Kira looks nothing like her. <laughs> They've got to get the funding somehow. I will say one thing I did like about this, though. Yeah. Matt Smith in a drama. Yeah, he's good. Now, all right, he does still literally play it as the Doctor. But yeah. other than that, it does kind of work in a drama setting. Also, Ray Fiennes. Yeah, and also mm. I think they keep something that actually, because it's so, obviously there's a court case and stuff, but actually the, the development of how this unfolds yeah. could be quite boring. Could be. But they've, I, they've managed to lift it. Shall I give you a quick, quick, quick yeah, lesson? Yeah, go on here. With respect, Mrs. Gunn, you're a spy. Yes. You gather information from people's phones and computers and you feed that to your clients. Yes. You eavesdrop on private conversations. Yes. And now you're upset at being asked to do that to members of the Security Council. Detective, I don't object to being asked to collect information that could help prevent a terror attack. What I object to is being asked to gather intelligence to help fix a vote at the UN and deceive the world into going to war. Kira Knightley folding under pressure. The gun doesn't With a pout. Off, so we should say. Yeah. With a pout. Of course. Oh, oh it just, she's, yeah, she just doesn't work for me as really? an actress. I like her. Are you joking? No, I like her. No. I met her once. She was lovely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that aside, her work. No, her work, I like her work. Really? Yes. No. Really? Well, I just, she's just, she doesn't push herself. Okay, she's got the worst role in Love, actually. But, you know, other than that, we can't really hold it against Again, it. pouting. But she is in, like, three terrible Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. And, Again, yes, pouting. I am including the last one, her weird cameo. Oh, yeah, but, yeah that yeah, was weird. Yeah, I said about that. That should have been a lot of money paid to her for that. <laughs> anyway, so, look, Official Secrets is an interesting story. It will make you mm. want to find out more about it when you go off. And when you actually find out mm. who Catherine Gunn is, you'll kind of agree with me. I, I will say that as well. I was fascinated because I didn't remember how the story ended in reality. Yeah. And it's interesting when you see it actually laid out. Over to streaming, then. And this is what, because the thing with streaming is we don't really get to see them in advance when they're the, when they're the debuts. No. So this is uh, All the Bright Places. On Netflix. On Netflix. Uh, when does this air? Hang on. Friday. So All the Right Places. This stars Elle Fanning. So, you know, not Dakota, yeah. the other one. Yeah. Isn't she Maleficent's yes. ward? She's in She's, um, Sleeping Ar Beauty. Uh, Aurora. Aurora, Aurora yeah. from Maleficent. Which is weird because we reviewed Maleficent at this time last week. So yeah, uh, and Justice Smith from Detective Pikachu and Jurassic World: yep. Fallen Kingdom. He's great. He is great, isn't yeah. he? That's why I'm kind of looking forward to this. This is directed by Brett Haley, uh, written by Liz Hannah. This is an adaptation of the novel by Jennifer Niven, which I'm told is something of a, of a, of a bit of a hit. And it's a teen love story where, whereby instead of there being uh, you know like a, an actual external trauma that's keeping them apart, this time it's internal. It's his own mental health. Oh, interesting. Which is. I think kind of timely, actually, and something of um, 
I mean, I'm it's, intrigued it's, it's, to see. It's an obvious route to go down, but it's 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 clever that mm. it's doing it now. But from the marketing, they are playing it still in the vein of something like the Fault in Our Stars, in yeah. the vein of you know your notebooks and things like that. Yeah. So I can see. I'm intrigued. You know, yeah, that's enough. On that remit alone, I will watch this. But also, Justice Smith, I just think is great, as you say. Yeah, yeah, he's really really mm. strong, and actually, hopefully, he's making clever choices in his roles, and so we're going to see more great things. He's going he's to become more of a household name. Yeah. That's on Netflix from. 28th, Friday yeah. the 28th. So next week is an interesting one. So we've got the true history of the Kelly Gang. Yes, this one's uh, sort of crept upon us, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's out. Um, we've got Downhill with uh, Will Ferrell mm-hmm. is in it as well. We've got Dark Waters, which got relatively ignored at awards season, despite uh, being literally Aaron I'll, Brockovich I'll you, and Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, a little teaser. I can, I can kind of get that. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know what is that? I don't know if we'll get to review this one, though. We have got Richard Stanley's adaptation of Colour Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage. Oh. I, I mean, what's not to love? Nicolas Cage's HP Lovecraft. Yeah. Uh, we have also got next week, and I'm very much looking forward to this, The Invisible Man. Lee Wanell's adaptation of The Invisible oh, Man is next interesting. week. Interesting. So we've um, got quite a lot, actually. We might have to cut some things down. We might have to cut some things down, but I'm definitely chucking it. I mean, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is out next week yeah, as well. Yeah. And that's quite buzzy. But uh, do you know what? Next week, I'd say, is more of a, a low-key indie sort mm. of film week rather than big blockbustery. Uh, t- well-known stuff that you'd know. Well, that's it, isn't it? Because yeah. Invisible Man is still going to be like a five to ten million dollar stripped-down Blumhouse horror film, isn't it? Yeah. So I wouldn't expect that to be a grand epic. Yeah. But yeah. does it need to be? It's got Lee Wanell, and last time he brought us uh, Upgrade, so couldn't be that bad. There we go. So all well, that to look forward to, and yeah. more and next mo- week. Yeah, much more. So I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor. And this has been Off Screen. It's been your seven-day guide to everything movies. Thank you for tuning in this week. We'll be back again next week.